Our third application is probability density functions. Now, when I um, used to teach statistics, um, I would always talk to my students, of course, about the normal curve. A lot of things are normally distributed, or at least close enough that we assume normally distributed. And uh, in one example is uh, IQ, where they put the mean IQ at around 100. This little mu here stands for the mean of the population. And then it has a standard deviation of 15. So 115 would be here. 130 would be another standard deviation here. And 145, I believe, is what they consider, quote, genius. And that's because if you have an IQ of 145 or greater, you're in a very small population of the um, very small part of the population overall. So this is a normal distribution. And when you go one standard deviation this way and one standard deviation this way, it actually happens at the change in the concavity of this normal curve, which is kind of interesting. You change from concave down to concave up at the first standard deviation. And you can figure out the percentages here if you know a little bit of calculus, actually. And the interesting thing about this curve, and I believe it was shown in a previous part of this material, is that the area under the entire curve is 1. So then we can talk about, you know, what's the probability that if you randomly select someone from the population, what's the probability that their IQ is going to be between, say, 85 and 115? If you believe the normal distribution and you know a little bit about calculus, you can find out, actually, that the area between 85 and 115 on the IQ scale represents Well, the area is 0.68, which represents 68% of the population. And then you may know the 68, 95, and 99.7 rule, I believe it is. Did I get that right? I think so. It's been a while. I need to look that up again. But there are different percentages at different standard deviations under the curve. And so we can actually talk about the probability that if you randomly select someone from the population, the probability that their IQ will be between 85 and 115, one standard deviation from the mean on either side, is 0.68, or 68%. Now, what's the probability that someone's going to have an IQ of at least 100? So meaning not less than 100, 100 or greater. Well, if you think about the fact that the area under the curve is 1, then the probability that they'll have an IQ of at least 100 is half of 1, or 0.5. Now, the possibilities are endless in evaluating probabilities of people's IQs, because I know you know it's a nice thing to do is to go around and try to estimate what everyone's is. Um, and we could get into a discussion on the accuracy of IQ tests to begin with. But the point is to show you that we can actually, given a distribution, we can actually compute probabilities that a certain event will occur within that distribution. And this distribution is called a probability density function, or PDF, different from the ones on a computer, a probability density function. And the two things that make a probability density function, aside from the fact that they're kind of hard to say, is that the function 
that defines it, f of x, needs to be greater than or equal to 0 on your interval from, say, you know, a to b. For iq, the interval is actually from negative infinity to infinity, although, and for the normal distribution in general. Although with the normal distribution, if you go out three standard deviations on either side, they consider that to be pretty much the entire population. The people beyond three, three, um, three standard deviations, I'm writing this as a probability, the probability that x is going to be greater than or equal to, oh, I don't want to do it as an IQ, we call this a z, greater than or equal to 3 is actually half of, 0.3%, which is half of 0.003, or 0.0015. So so there's only 0.15% of the population more than three three standard deviations um, above the mean IQ. So um, that's pretty good, right? Uh, What is it, 90? 99.7, 99.7, yes. I just wanted to make sure I got those numbers right. Three standard deviations. On your normal distribution, if you go out from negative three standard deviations, meaning three standard deviations below, to three standard deviations above, you are representing 99.7% of the population. So that's why they often say, well, Three standard deviations on either side really could be taken as the entire thing. Um, and the reason I took half is because if I'm talking about people out here, I have to take away the people on the other side, right? So that would be point, half of point zero zero three, um, or point zero zero one five. So whether you think of it as a percentage or a decimal, I just wanted to show you why the endpoints are so tiny. Now, I did not finish defining a probability density function. The first thing I said was that the function had to be greater than or equal to 0 on some interval, which got me into trouble because I started talking about IQ again or normal distributions in general. So I have a function. It has to be greater than or equal to 0 for this to be called a PDF. Also, the second requirement is that the area under the curve on the interval must equal 1 just like the area under a normal curve is 1, to represent 100% of the population. So the area under f of x on some interval a to b must be or must equal 1. Now, if if I write that as an integral, that's the integral from a to b, f of x, dx, right? Supposing that we're using the x-axis, when we say under the curve, we're assuming we're using the x-axis as another curve. So this integral equals 1. So now we're going to just apply this to a problem that kind of covers all the bases that you might um, need to run in this section on the homeworks and in terms of understanding the problem. Um, By the way, I I mentioned IQ. There are other examples of this. You know, suppose you're... um, you're producing a certain um, item of something in a factory, and you know one of them is defective. If you have a probability density function that tells you the probability of a certain number of defective items 
um, then you can use the normal distribution to figure out um, what's what's the probability that it happened on its own, or what's the or is there maybe a problem that you have to go back to the factory and make sure that something's not broken? Because some things will randomly be defective on their own, but if it's unlikely that it would have happened by accident then maybe you better go check out what's happening at the factory, right? Because if you're way out here in the likelihood of, of having something happen, then it might be that it wasn't an accident. So that's one way that they use um, these normal distributions. As you can imagine, insurance companies <laughs> use these all the time. So let's uh, look at an example. Determine the value of k so that the function represented by the graph will be a PDF. This is an excellent problem because it requires you to understand what a PDF is, and then um, uses a little algebra and all that, and then also determine a probability. What's the probability that x will be between negative 1 and 2 in that PDF? So if you look over here, what's the probability that x will be between negative 1 and 2? That's the area right there. So we're going to answer this question, but in order to know this area, we need to know what the function is, right? And in order to know the function, we need to know k. And k can't just be anything because the total area under the curve between negative 4 and 4 has to be 1. So we kind of have to do a little bit of thinking first. So let's start with figuring out k. What should k be if this total area, not just the part that I've shaded, needs to be equal to 1? So if this whole thing needs to be 1, I need to find a way to figure out what k should be. The easiest way I know is to make a rectangle from k. Now what is the area of the entire rectangle. Now I know you might say, well, but we don't have the rectangle. Here's the trick. Or you could also just use the formula for the area of a triangle, but what fun is that? You have a rectangle made from k and 4 and negative 4. The length of the rectangle is 4 plus 4, or 8. The width of the rectangle is the thing we're looking for. We want the area of the triangle to be 1. The area of the triangle, if you take the rectangle form this way, is actually just half of the area of the rectangle. So area of the triangle is half the area of the rectangle, half base times height, right? The base is 8, the height is k. You want that to be equal to 1. So you want 1 half of 8 times k to equal 1. Now again, this just this is just the formula for the area of a triangle, so you didn't really need the rectangle, but I think it makes sense. So you have 1 half the area of the rectangle equals 1. If you multiply both sides by 2, then 8k equals 2. So k has to equal 1 over 8, or 1 fourth. So k is 1 fourth, and that answers the first part of the question. K needs to be 1 fourth in order for this to represent a probability density function. Now the next part is what's the probability that if you randomly pick an x 
between uh, in this probability density function that it will be between negative 1 and 2. So in order to answer that question, I need to know, I need to set up an integral, right, to get an area between negative 1 and 2 because the area represents the probability of the event happening. So I need the function above the x-axis here. So I need to know what that is. I have a point 0, comma, 1 fourth and a point 4, comma, 0. And that, if I use those two points to get the line, that'll give me the function on the right. And then it looks like we have symmetry, right? So we could just um, deal with that. But I'm just going to probably use the points twice. So slope is 1 fourth minus 0 over 0 minus negative 4. So I get negative a sixteenth. So my y minus a quarter, or you could just use slope-intercept form, I suppose, y equals negative one-sixteenth x plus a quarter. That's my uh, function on the right-hand side of 0. On the left-hand side of 0, I have the point 0, comma, one-fourth, and the point negative 4, comma, 0. So I use those two points. The slope is 1 fourth over this time 0 minus a negative fourth is a positive 4. And it does make sense. The slope on the left hand side is positive, 1 16th. And so y is 1 16th x positive plus a quarter again. So those are my two functions. In order to determine the probability that x is between negative 1 and 2, I could actually say that I'm breaking this up as the probability that x is between negative 1 and 0 plus the probability that x is between 0 and 2. That makes sense, right? I just take two areas and I add them together. Those two areas are integrals. So this probability is the integral from negative 1 to 0. Uh, f of x on the left-hand side is the one with the positive slope. 1 x plus 1 fourth dx plus 0 to 2, and it's negative 1 16th x plus a quarter dx. Just making sure I'm using my top function, minus 0, I don't need to write, and I'm going from 0 to 2. So now it's a matter of doing this integral. So I have 1 16th times x squared over 2, so 1 16th times a half x squared, plus 1 fourth x from negative 1 to 0, plus negative 1 16th times x squared over 2, plus 1 fourth x from 0 to 2 this time. My apologies for the fractions, but this is kind of, you know, real life going on here. So I have 1 32nd x squared plus 1 fourth x from negative 1 to 0. And then I have minus x squared over 32 plus 1 fourth x from 0 to 2. And now when I plug in the zeros, I'm just going to get 0. So I just have 0 minus parentheses. Negative 1 squared is positive 1 over 32 plus negative 1 times a fourth is negative a fourth. Then I have minus parentheses. 2 squared is 4 over 32 plus 2 over 4 
minus 0, right? Almost done. I have negative a 32, negative 1 over 32, plus 1 fourth, minus 4 over 32, which is 1 eighth, plus a half. So, you know, the least common denominator isn't impossible, right? They're all, they're all, um, 4, 8, and 2 are all factors of 32. So the LCM is 32. So I have negative 1 plus 8 minus 4 plus 16 all over 32. Just at the end. I'm almost out of room, but I'm okay. Negative 5 plus 8 is 3 plus 16 is 19, 30 seconds. Now, it might make sense to turn that into a decimal. It's a little bigger than a half, right? Because 16 over 32 is a half. So there's a, there's a little over a 50% probability that an x randomly selected from that, um, that distribution will land between negative 1 and 2. So a little over 50% chance. Uh, if we're talking insurance, if they think that there's a over 50% chance of something happening, then they might want to uh, rethink Uh, If it's a bad thing, they might want to rethink things, right? Or they might want to charge a lot of money for their premiums. So the insurance companies use statistics all the time and probability. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, and then I'll be done with this, when I taught statistics, my students just had to accept from me that the area under the normal bell curve is equal to 1. You can actually prove that using calculus, using that crazy formula for the normal distribution. It's got a lot of e's and negative exponents, right? So you can prove that using your calculator, and you can then even prove the areas that the probabilities, which are areas, that are in the tables for the normal distribution. If you haven't taken statistics yet, I'd just like you to keep this in mind. When you get there, you will know the calculus that came Um, and went into the tables of probabilities that most other students just like look up over and over and over again without really knowing where the numbers came from. And if you have taken statistics, hopefully now you'll see where all those numbers did come from. And um, normally I just tell my students, well, the reason why is requires calculus and that's not a prerequisite for this course. But you now have some knowledge that they don't have.